Hey everybody, uh, welcome to Talks.dev. Uh, my name is Andrew Bott. I'm the founder of Talks.dev and Hired Events. And I'm Elise, the head of events and partnerships at Hired Events. The idea of this podcast is to share cutting-edge speakers from the tech world on topics that really interest software developers. So in our episode today, uh, you're going to hear from Benjamin uh, Bazo the Director of Software Engineering at uh, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Uh, this was from one of our events in Montreal at the end of last year. So I really hope that you enjoy it. Hello, everybody. Uh, so my name's Andrew Bott. I'm the one that sent you all those emails. So thank you for, uh, for showing up. Uh, I am a real person, even though my last name is Bott. Um, that still makes me real. So uh, just first of all, you know, I want to thank all of you for coming out. You know, uh, the power of events is that you can actually have, uh, you know, real connections uh, where uh, you actually meet somebody as opposed to just looking at, you know, their representation online. And I think it's so powerful, and that's why I do events like this all around the world. Um, so uh, without further ado, I want to announce the first uh, keynote speaker of the evening. Uh, I also want to thank him, you know, deeply. Uh, ben was the first person to sign on for the event before there was a host, before there was a company, before any of you signed up. Ben was a keynote speaker for this event. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, he's believed in it from the very beginning, and I really appreciate that. Please welcome Benjamin uh, Bazo, the Director of Software Engineering at HMH. Um, thanks a lot, Andrew. Um, so, um, as he mentioned, the goal is for us to all like rise up, but I don't want to get you to all rise up and leave here because I'm a bad speaker, so I'm going to try to speak to about something interesting to all of you. Um, so I thought about it long and hard. I was like, I've only got 15 minutes. I need to like go over something really uh, cool that everybody's going to walk away from here get, getting some type of important lesson. So I said, okay, maybe I'll talk about Dino. And I was like, okay, well, Dino, if for those of you who don't know, is like the replacement for Node. And I said, this is like a cool technology that we could start to share with everybody. But then I'm like, you can't learn that in 15 minutes. So I figured let's just go and with something that is a lesson that I've or lessons that I've learned over time of managing uh, dozens of teams and uh, I wanted to talk to you tonight about uh, continuous delivery. So I am the director of engineering at a company called uh, HMH. Not a lot of people have heard about HMH, so it is an ed tech company. It is my responsibility at least for 10 seconds to plug it uh, in that I am looking, we are looking for people as well too, so please do come and talk to me if you're looking for a job. But the purpose of this is for me to now go and jump into continuous delivery and kind of uh, teach you a few of my uh, learned lessons in that area. But I wanted to start off with some war stories first. So what does that really mean? Um, so about two years ago, three years ago, I started at a company and I wanted to use these stories to exemplify why uh, continuous delivery is really important. Uh, so naturally, we had marketing in the company that were per pushing features to engineering nonstop. Uh, raise your hands if this sounds familiar. There we go. Um, so we have I had we front-end teams, we had some back-end teams, we had testing teams in the organization, and we were releasing, and sometimes we were releasing every three weeks, sometimes every four weeks, sometimes every week, sometimes multiple times a week. The quality was really crappy. We had two-week sprints, and we were uh, doing things called the code freeze every uh, about three days before the end of the, the sprint. 
And the reason for that is because a lot of these groups needed to coordinate everything together to get in. And uh, so we, we did, so you had a 10 day business days of, of work. You were freezing it three days before, but then you had planning at the beginning. And so you had about six days or so of actual work inside of a sprint. And things weren't fitting inside of the sprint. And so you had a whole bunch of stories that just didn't get in there. And so things kept creeping from one sprint to another. Does this sound familiar for, to some of the developers? Nod your head, laugh a little. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it feels better, you'd get it out. Um, so, they, so they were not, the, and then those deliveries, the quality was actually pretty poor. Uh, we had production issues, naturally. So people were staying up really late at night trying to fix things, which did not make people very happy. People were leaving. We even had poor quality to the point where we had different severity and issues. So we had, you know, uh, blockers. But then blockers weren't good enough. So we had prod 911, which was even higher than a blocker. And then it's just to try to get things through and get things done. Deliver, de, de, like I said, developers were leaving because they couldn't go fast. And upper management was super upset because they had no predictability on how fast things could get released or done. So they were making false promises. And DevOps, which we have this term that goes around quite a lot, um, were very disconnected from this whole process. But what I'm going to present today is we hear a lot of stuff uh, about CI, CD, and uh, we think it's, okay, DevOps is just creating this pipeline thing that is going to actually allow us to deploy our code. But it's not just that. So we'll see today. Okay, so I'll read a couple of things from Agile Principles. The idea is for, it's our highest priority to actually satisfy the customer through an early continuous delivery of valuable software. So the idea of this, of going to sprints and delivering stuff often, Makes sense, right? And the idea is that you want to do it uh, on, a, on a shorter time scale if possible. So do it frequently. So um, I say to this, well, what happens if your company is not made like that? Meaning, okay, you're a big, huge company. We do three releases a year, two releases a year, right? Um, but I say that doesn't matter. Okay, so I've been in organizations where they do one release every three months, they do one release every six months, that's super slow. But that doesn't mean as you set up things inside of your team, you shouldn't be able to deliver or deploy every 15 minutes. And I know that sounds weird, but uh, it, it's really that the, you, to be able to get there, it takes a lot of work, but it comes in very, very useful. Um, so, I'll get into a couple of little technical details as to how we have to go about doing this. Uh, one of the things that I found that works really well, and this will probably um, speak to a few of you, is that, okay, so you would pull from a master branch. You'd compile your code, you'd f verify your expected behavior, deploy it to production, and then once you're in production, a few things to really note about this is that a lot of you will be doing these aspects here. The verified expected behavior, super important, we'll get into that. Uh, shortly, but the monitoring and alerting and the rollbacks on errors, a lot of people just don't do this. And this costs you a lot of time, okay, a lot of time. And the whole idea of being able to have monitoring and alerting, it changes your whole responsiveness from being actually reactive, like what I was mentioning before, where we're panicking and we're going doing things in, 
and uh, you know things are going down in prod, not stable, as opposed to becoming reactive, uh, from reactive to proactive. Where you're actually doing it, you see something before a customer actually sees it, and doing something about it. And this rollback on error takes a long time to do, a lot of times, but nobody actually spends the time to do it because, uh, oh, we've got too much to deliver. We've got to go faster. We have to deliver other things, um, and instead of actually putting in place a proper infrastructure. Very, very important. Uh, so, what could go wrong? Uh, well, we could put something new in production that doesn't work. Uh, we could put a half-finished feature. We could make uh, the users feel confused because we gave them something that they weren't expecting. Uh, we could kick users off the system in the middle of them doing their work. Uh, yes, these are all realities. But, like I was mentioning before, being able to go fast and being able to deliver very often is very, very important because it gives you a lot of um, the, it gives you the, the concept, if hopefully you've heard of, the fail fast mentality. So it's giving you quick feedback on how things are going for you. If you wait too long on your, on your releases, you wait to cram everything into the end, um, you don't get that, fast, that fail fast mentality. So to be able to get to that um, kind of simple diagram that we looked at before takes a hell of a lot of work. So I'll tell you a story about the first time I implemented it at a small startup company starting from scratch probably about a decade ago. And um, it took about two years and a half to get it right before we were actually doing that. And I remember deploying to our first customer and we did 31 releases in 31 days. Okay? And that sounds like a lot. Too prod. And uh, that was crazy because that was our first customer. We needed to nail it, but we had an infrastructure in place where we could actually uh, deliver constant updates to them and make them feel really good. Cool, so really big diagram here with a whole bunch of stuff on it that you can't read because it's way too small. But uh, what I wanted to kind of uh, capture with this is what's written in red. So there's certain things that are really important that come into play with uh, continuous delivery, and that happens to be stuff at a different angle a lot of people do not look at, such as craftsmanship, uh, the work within your team, and then there's the work outside of your team, the whole everything around it. So we'll take a look at that. Okay, first thing, inside of your craftsmanship side, uh, I focused on something, courage. Yeah, not very technical, but the actual courage to say no to something. So actually going to the rest of your team and telling them that the code quality isn't good enough, or going to someone else and saying that the deadlines aren't realistic. Very, very important to come back and actually have the courage to say that, that you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about these, or they don't want that conflict, but very important. Um, I always like to go forward with something uh, that you aren't going to need it, or you keep it simple, so stupid, right? So the whole kiss thing. So really, if you're going to approach things, don't try to, we always say, over-engineer things. Really, it's, uh, it's fun to build really cool stuff, but ask always the question from a product side, is what I'm building actually going to help somebody? Um, so I found a really cool picture of a saw. And it was to... Show off the whole continuous improvement thing. Um, no, seriously, the idea I wanted to get capture on this was really um, 
the regular retrospectives. That's also something super important for this. That's how you're going to actually uh, continuously get better. Because as a team, you're going to uh, share some experiences that didn't go so well or uh, ways of improving it. And that's going to allow you to continue to have what I wrote at the top, engaged people. Uh, I actually like this, uh, this little like, quote. Uh, people always hear this one with quick and dirty. Uh, well, the whole idea of what he writes here is the trouble with quick and dirty is that dirty remains long after quick has been forgotten. So next time you want to do something quick and dirty, just think twice about it. Um, I, I really, 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 really like this slide. So if there's one thing that you remember from this whole speech um, is that automated tests are actually executable specifications. So think about it like that, okay? So that you've actually got a, a requirements that you can execute automatically. And that is super powerful. Why? Because it comes down to if you've actually developed in that way, it gives you not only a reassurance that what you've done works, it gives you what I refer to as the warm and fuzzy feeling, but it also uh, allows you to uh, do stuff like um, modify your code or, uh, you know, um, refactor your code uh, safely. And that's something that's huge, so you can keep things clean. Um, and also, it basically validates that what you've actually implemented works. There's a few behaviors that can, or approaches that you can use to do that. There's, you know, behavior-driven, test-driven development. Uh, these are really cool buzzwords to put on your CVs, by the way. Um, and uh, I already said safe refactoring. So, working together. I'm turning my back to the crowd, which is a no-no when it comes to presentations. But only half of you are sleeping right now, so. Um, <laughs> what's that? 10%, all right, cool. I'll try to get that to 15. Um, <laughs> so there's, uh, so sharing between your team. I just wanted to highlight coding conventions and shared design. Uh, we all own the code, so it's the kind of deal like before what I said, we're coming back to the courage. Uh, we need to keep it clean. No garbage left behind that there. There's the freedom to make changes anywhere in the code, so you need to have that liberty. Um, Cross-functional teams, uh, the idea behind that is that everybody should kind of know what's going on. Uh, there's some people you've heard of, the hit by the bus factor, right? Where so like if one person knows it uh, and they leave the company or whatever, they, they leave with everything that they know, it's not a good thing. You should probably get involved and try to, try to understand how things work. Generally a good idea all, as well, just from a generalist point of view so that you understand what's going on at a high level. Um, and also people should be able to take a vacation. Um, avoid feature branches. They're generally evil. Um, the, and, and also manual merging because it just creates problems. Uh, this is kind of like a higher level of what I had mentioned before in terms of kind of getting into the actions of what allows you to get to that continuous delivery. I won't go through it uh, with a fine tooth comb because I've only got limited amount of time. But definitely rapid feedback. Another thing that's really important with working with uh, outside teams is that uh, being able to get into an environment where you're able to get really quick feedback from uh, whether it be your end users, whether it be your internal end users, your internal, whoever's using whatever you're building, get really fast feedback from it. Again, comes back to that mentality of failing fast. Um, there's a lot of things as well, too, to keep in mind as you're doing that. Uh, so planning for that production usage. Um, 
capacity planning, compliance, stress testing, comparative measurement, scalability. These are all things as a developer, some of us, we just don't want to care about, right? But you need to, okay, in the sense that it's your responsibility as a good developer to actually say that, okay, well, I built this thing. Um, did I actually stress test it? Did I actually go and think about it being scalable, being used? I had somebody develop something that was amazing and it supported 15 users. Really, 15 users in today's day and age. Coming back to the monitoring, uh, the, just to reiterate on that, super important. There's a lot of great tools out there. Choose something like New Relic or something that is going to allow you to monitor it. It could be an in-house version for all you care. Depends on how big and how, how your production systems are, but having that monitoring and alerting, super, uh, super important to have that proactive mindset. How am I doing on time? All right, cool. Um, A-B testing, uh, anybody here heard of A-B testing? Super important to build into your applications from the get-go, uh, just as a little anecdote. Um, so if you haven't heard of it, I say go into Wikipedia, read it for a few minutes as to what it is. But it's the idea of being able to enable something or something else okay, inside of production environment, test environment, but allow you to be able to divert a certain level either of your traffic or to be able to allow them to use a slightly different version of your product to test it out to see if it's actually going to work better. Um, hiding incomplete features this is the kind of deal where you want to be able to have that kind of feature flag or that toggle switch on or off for that feature so that uh, you know you've actually implemented something but it's not actually activated. Maybe checked into your code but it's still not activated yet so that it mitigates a certain level of risk. Um, And then we had here, how does each group get measured? Well, there's, the, there's this thing where I've seen over time where there's this really popular buzzword these days of KPIs, okay? And how are you going? And everybody, I see people laughing right now. Yeah, I'll just say it again, KPIs. It's a really cool thing. Don't put that on your CV, by the way, bad. Um, reason for that is that different people get measured different ways. I've seen developers get measured on lines of code that they produce. That's a horrible KPI, the most horrible thing that I've ever seen. But, and then there's testers that, okay, number of tests that they produce, but they could all be shit. So, we're allowed to swear, right? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so then there's DBAs, there's operation staff, et cetera. They all get measured uh, like slightly differently, but sometimes this creates kind of like this, um, you have to ask yourself whether or not it's helping or if that's hurting the end goal. Don't get me wrong, when I come back to the KPI stuff, there are KPIs that are super, super useful for you, but they need to matter to your, your team, okay? So when you ask yourselves as a team, does this metric actually matter or does this matter to upper management and you say upper management just cares about this, odds are it's not the right KPI for you. Um, so no more manual processes. Uh, this is the kind of thing where we're in a day and age right now where we've got computers we can actually automate things, and it's, we can, should leverage that uh, because people make mistakes, or they're sloppy, or like a lot of developers, uh, like myself, we're lazy and we leave things to the last minute. Uh, provisioning, so these are all kinds of advanced automation tools, we've probably all heard of them, but you can provision things uh, like in different ways, you've got configuration management, cluster immune systems, you guys have heard of things like um, probably um, Chaos Monkey, for instance, uh, which is a cool thing uh, if you actually have the time to do it, uh, very nice stuff. 
And if you would like more reading, I refer to a lovely book, uh, which is called Continuous Delivery. They touch on a few of these topics um, without a few of my anecdotes, but definitely very interested reading. And so that is the end. That was a great talk from Benjamin Bazo. And again, we're so happy to have had him at the event. If you'd like to hear more interesting topics, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to attend an upcoming event for software developers, uh, go ahead and head to www.talks.dev. I really hope to see you there.